0: Welcome back to JK Moto Podcast, weekly motorcycle podcast for the everyday motorcyclist, covering current bike news, specializing in track riding and club racing. We truly do it all. This week, brought to you by Working Class Customs, a custom fabrication shop out of northern Utah. You can direct any more questions on that to Cole. Pretty good. Oh, pretty good. Okay. You know, what, what, kind of, what do you want?
1: <laughs> what more do you want? Hey, well, anyway,
0: I'm, you know. No, I'm good. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. I don't have anything native to say,
1: so pretty good. I native. do. Uh Oh, what? How do you take a perfectly decent looking VR 46 bike and turn out that blank <laughs> banana thing? <laughs> no, let's just move past that to the sweet, sweet
0: Aprilia's that popped out from Trackhouse uh, that you I'm said not... weren't a good idea, but I'm all
1: about. I'm not sure I love that one either. I think they look pretty good. Cameron Bobier's bike. In Moto 2, full on American flag colors was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what that half ass attempt at. I don't know. There's so much white. You know, obviously they're going for the American thing, but it, it just doesn't mean as much when they got two riders that aren't from.
0: All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, hey, if you're listening, you guys go look at them. Go look at the VR46 team. You go look at Trackhouse Racing. Look at their new Aprilia colors. You let us know what you think, because um, we could sit here and debate this whole day. But we ain't got time for that, because we got to get a guest on. Oh, yeah? Who yeah. Got? You don't know?
1: Well, I think I do. <laughs> I uh, today,
0: Today, <laughs> we're bringing on Josh Biddinger. Uh, Josh Biddinger from Texas, believe it or that. But uh, he works with Ride smart uh, I think he's a coach with him, and I think he's got some other stuff that he does also. So we're going to get him on here and talk to him. And before you go anywhere... Please, if you're on YouTube and you don't want to stick around on YouTube because this could be up to two hours long, hop down to our RSS feed. Go check us out. We're on all podcast platforms. Click follow on there. Click subscribe on YouTube because we have more than just a podcast and throw a like on the video for us and leave us some comments about where you're listening from, whether or not you like the YouTube idea, I guess, or, you know, whatever, And uh, and what you think about the episode as you're listening. Thanks. Perfect. Let's roll the intro. All right. Intro.
1: Yesterday at one point I was in sick and fifty three miles an hour. Well, let's take it away, Easton. Uh, you brought Josh so you get to introduce him. I
0: did bring Josh uh, everyone this is Josh Bittinger I'm actually gonna just let him introduce himself so that we don't have some weird double repeat so
2: all right Josh. yeah Um, my name is Josh Bittinger I run Bittinger Motorsports here in Texas we do private coaching including mini motos and some other cool tools that I have and I also coach with RideSmart Motorcycle School and moved from Virginia to Texas to do this and just living the dream every day. It's awesome and really met you guys. You know, last year at, at MotoGP, and it's really cool to be back.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've, I um, I forgot to mention that in the beginning. Yeah, we met Josh almost a year ago. At this point.
2: Yeah, you come out. Out at,
0: out at Coda. That's how we know you. It's kind of nice to have you have you back here. Looks like I think you kind of mentioned you were starting to do this last year. This time looks yeah. like it's going pretty well.
2: Things have blown up down here. I'm very very lucky. Uh, Ride smart. I don't know. There's a whole lot we could talk about, but yeah. And and lastly, when you guys picked me up at uh, MotoGP, that was like, that whole event was kind of a flurry. And you guys hit me up with a microphone in my face. That was. (laughs) I I looked back at it and I was like, oh, this is, I'm so bad in front of the camera. Like, I hate this. I don't, I don't know. So anyway, I don't like seeing me and hearing me, but whatever.
0: (laughs) Well, hey, we appreciate you being here.
2: Yeah, man. So do you miss the East Coast? you happy to be out? I love it. Uh, the best thing i ever did virginia well <laughs> i rode this week three times so there's that you know it, it stays warm down here and the people down here are awesome i really really like texas the hospitality down here is just awesome and the the motorcycle community especially like down here it's kind of like us versus the track everybody just wants to help everybody get faster or just get into it and uh, i'm really happy down here like i'm going to tell you probably the happiest time of my life right now it's very cool
0: heck yeah Yeah. Okay. so you said Bittinger Motorsports, and you said Ride Smart. Can you kind of yes. which whichever one we want to dive into first? But what's a what's the difference there?
2: So yeah, when you called me the other day, you were asking me about Texas uh, track days and that sort of thing. So RideSmart Smart Motorcycle School is they've been around for like twenty years. When I first came down here three or four years ago from Virginia, I was trying to find somewhere to ride. I'd done my first track day at VIR, and it was like October November, and it was, it was done in Virginia until like you know March or April, and I didn't want to wait six months to ride again. I was hooked. Mm-hmm. So I got online. I tried to find places to ride, and I found Smart. And, uh, you know, they ride pretty much through the winter, and I went down and did a coded day with them. But they're a, they're a really good organization. They're not kind of like – they're not your typical track day stuff. You know, most track days have maybe like a novice class for like the first half of the day until they see that you got your lines, and you're not going to, you know, kill anybody, and then you're free. Smart is actual school. Like they have – Novice, intermediate, uh, experienced, and advanced levels, and each one has its own curriculum. And you after you know after you come off track, you go back to the classroom, and you go through their curriculum. It's it's a really in depth program. So I really like that, and I just want to be a big part of it. You know, so I started coming back to more and got to know everybody. But they're a, they're a big school. They go to if you come to Texas, that's pretty much who you ride with.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's a couple other organizations, but RadSmart's the big one. They go to COTA, which is the big draw. Some places here in Houston. Dallas and um, well, actually this year, uh, Ratt going as far as Oklahoma. So it's the big riding group. And then, you know, that's but, just uh, northern Texas, right? Uh, no, south all the way to uh, no, no. Houston. Oh, sorry, wow. sorry, you missed
1: yeah. it. I have some Oklahoma friends. Oh, yeah. Disregard that. that was There's awesome. some movement <laughs> happening there. Shit. Earthquake. <laughs> Earthquake. <laughs> no, I have, I have some friends from Oklahoma and Real proud Oklahomans. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And, and we used to tell them all the time, that's just Northern Texas, isn't it? And then they'd get mad. You know? <laughs> that's, when, see that. that's when
0: Oklahoma ends pop out and say, no, Texas is just Southern Oklahoma. And then most yeah. people forget that Oklahoma is a state after that point. So, you know. <laughs>
2: I've Sooners been there. There are a few times racing. We go up to Hallett Motor Racing Circuit and I raced there a few in the last couple of years. And I love that track. But yeah, Oklahoma is kind of like, there's nothing there. At least the parts I've seen.
1: Uh, I, I, this is not a geography podcast, but I will point <laughs> out that they, they just announced that Oklahoma City. So I drove a, see, I can relate it. I drove a Ducati through Oklahoma City in the middle of the night once. Okay. And Let's it's a lot bigger it. city than I anticipated.
0: Isn't I mean, it big. Yeah. <laughs> huh? Wait a second. I'm thinking of, what am I thinking of?
1: Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, man.
2: You need to go back to geometry class, or geography class. No, there's,
0: there's whichever states got the like uh, Kansas City, Missouri. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Kansas. My bad. See, they're there all the is. same. All those we're states are there. We're not talking about middle. Kansas. Well, they're all the same state.
1: O- Oklahoma is building the tallest building in the United States. They really? just announced they're building some new high rise over there. It's going to be tallest tallest building in the U.S.
2: Just Culture? randomly. well, as flat as it is, they'll be able to see forever. What? No. <laughs> okay yeah.
1: back to motorcycles, motorcycles off of the
0: geography yeah so ride smart ride like the main people in texas then okay
2: yeah really good program we got i got to know them and management a little bit and uh they brought me on i kind of already had a little thing going bit motorsports and then they helped me grow it So now down here in Houston at our local track, I'm a member there and I do private coaching and we do our mini moto clinics and um, some of the other tools I have, you know, you guys saw the trainer and some of the VR Mm -hmm. goggles stuff that I do, but I pretty much got my own little coaching thing. And um, when you come to a Ride Smart Day, they call me one of their lead instructors, but I kind of do my own thing. I I love those guys. And we we wear the Smart suits and we're part of the school. So essentially, Biddinger Motorsports is part of the school. You can sign up for Smart Track Day. And then if you want the extra curriculum, what was really cool this year is we started doing a program where you would go out with me in the parking lot and we'll do mini moto drills. And whenever your session comes up, we'll get off the minis and whatever we just learned, then we go hop on the big bikes and we go try it out on track. So we kind of made that work. It's like in the morning, I'll start working on vision. Like we get to talk and you'll realize I'm really big on vision and seeing where you're going. So we'll spend the first hour of the day on the minis working on vision drills, like trying to actually track where you see, you know, where to look down the track. You'll go out, we'll practice some of those drills on the big track, see if you can find those reference markers and that sort of thing. And we'll come back in and then we'll start working on steering, you know, and on the minis, we could do like all the different um, steering inputs. We'll, we'll work on counter steering. We'll work on getting your body off the bike to make the bike dip, weighting the pegs. We'll try all those things on the minis and then we'll get on the track. And then I'll say, hey, in turn three and four, we're going to do this to turn, you know, when we're in the big carousel. I want you leaned over. I want you to give a little counter steering and feel that out, you know, that for, at least for the novice intermediate group. But that's kind of the way it works. Like so, it's an curriculum within RadSmart and I'm just – it really took off. It is very physically demanding. Uh, if you're on the minis and then doing it, I mean, you know, track day, you yeah. a lot of guys yeah. get worn out by. It sounds you know, like a full day. It's more than a full day. So much we actually spread it this year into like two days. I couldn't teach it all in one day, and especially in Texas in July, it gets really hot. So, you know, I had a lot of guys last year about one o'clock. They're like, oh, okay, let's just let's just do the sessions and watch video, and we'll do more minis later. So we, we kind of changed it up this year, and it's it's good though. So that's kind of what we.
0: When you say minis, what are we uh, like? If I come down and I'm hooking up with you for a weekend for training, for training mm-hmm. on the minis, what are what are the minis exactly?
2: Well, that's actually something I kind of learned back on the East Coast. Uh, 100 to 125 cc dirt bikes fitted with street tires. So, okay. TT, Yamaha TTR 125s, uh, Honda XR 100s. I'm really big on cross training, which I was kind of curious talking to you a little bit, Cole, because you got into racing, and uh, I was curious if you you know do you have background in dirt? I know a lot of fast guys are raised have a background in dirt and i didn't did you grow up on dirt or no
1: it's a, on on three <laughs> i had I'm one on extra two. wheel for most of my oh okay <laughs> for 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 my age so absolutely i have i grew up on a farm okay we had handlebars in our hands you know from the time we could walk mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of a lot of sand dunes around here okay. we have Three different... What are you shaking your head for, Easton? I don't, I don't know if I would say a lot. Like, you got
0: two main sand dunes you can go to. If you go to California, it's like the whole freaking state of sand dunes. So I'm sorry. I'm. I'm
1: sorry. I am i don't know if I'm going to be able to handle Easton today. And you're... Uh... Hey,
0: I haven't cracked off with any old jokes yet, so... And he hasn't cussed yet either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True.
1: So, so where I live, I live in Utah. Okay. So where I'm at in Utah, I am about two and a half hours from Rexburg Sand Dunes in Idaho. They are the f- tallest freestanding sand dunes in the United States. Bigger than Glamis, bigger than anything. Free, freestanding sand dunes means you could dig a hole with a shovel all the way to the bottom and never run out of sand. Okay. In Utah, about two and a half hours oh. from me, we have the little Sahara, they call it, which is bigger, taller sand dunes, but they're not freestanding. They're sand blown against a mountain, basically from okay. the old lake bonneville but we also have the killpecker sand dunes within two and a half hours in wyoming which is another great big they're not as fun there's a lot of witches' eyes they're dangerous anyway moral of the story is <laughs> i grew up going to sand dunes as long as i can remember yeah but yes so dirt yes less on dirt bikes than i gotcha. On-
2: well i was when i got into racing i noticed the guys were really ripping it you know had a background in dirt you know sliding the front sliding, slider the they were used to it you know yeah. they're those are the guys that are backing it in and you know are used to that stuff so i started seeking out other ways of trying to get fast at the same time i had met my girlfriend michelle and she wanted to start riding so we found up in maryland there's a group it was an all group all girls group called ruts to Racelines, and they would go to sandy hook speedway and have you know the actually the bikes we bought um from came from that group and um they put the girls on kart tracks in kind of a non-intimidating environment you know which you know i don't want to throw my girlfriend out with like you know vr with pre the first day you know fast guys even in the novice group so we found that and the minis uh, met some people that do a lot of training on that and so then i discovered i started looking more i was like where else can i do some of this training and um easton you're you're not too far from um i mean where, where are you at right now you're how far is charlotte north carolina from you
0: uh, Charlotte, about three three and a half.
2: Three just northeast of Charlotte is a, a school called Corner Spin. Have you heard of Corner Spin? I have not. Nope. Check it out. I can look it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a guy named Aaron Stevenson teaches it. He's an X racer, he's really fast, but he has a program where it's XR100s on dirt and you spend the whole weekend sliding. And it's like when you go in there, he says, By the end of the weekend, I'll have you with your hand on the gas tank and the other hand, you'll be sliding the front, sliding the rear, and controlling it all. It's like, nah. By the end of the weekend, you know, uh, and it and it saved my ass a few times in some rain conditions and whatnot. But uh, that's how I got into it, and I came to Texas, and there wasn't a lot of it, so we started kind of putting a program together. I wanted Michelle to get better, and Corner was a great program. I checked it out. Came to Texas. There's uh, Colin Edwards' place. You, you guys are familiar with Colin Edwards, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Colin's place is about an hour north of here. Uh, he has a, a boot camp, and he does a program on dirt, but it's like a week long, and it's it's pretty pricey. I've never been there because it's 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 just frankly out of my price range but um anyway i put i started putting michelle on these things we started coming up with drills and then next thing i know some of my friends wanted to try the drills and then it just grew and now the mini the mini moto program's like really taking off it's it's uh, helping a lot of uh, students and the ride smart thing was kind of cool like midway through the season you know i was a new guy right so some of the instructors you know when you first come in you know you got all these seasoned instructors and you know, they were kind of like, who's the new guy? But midway through, I started to get some of them to trickle over, and they were like, I just want to let you know, you know, your students who went through your program, they're they're coming up through our program a little bit faster. It's pretty good. And that's been, you anyway, started to come along. So it's a good thing. But uh, anyway, I'm real big on cross training, mini motos. And then I got into flat tracking this year. I love that, and that has made me, I don't, I'm, I'm never going to be fast, but it's made me faster, <laughs> for sure. So I'm, I'm big on flat tracking, too.
0: Okay. Yeah, I just so I just googled corner spin. Uh, it was yeah. kind of weird, kind of weird, but it says he yeah, had dirt training for road riding.
2: That's yep, his whole that's why he big thing. Yep. So,
0: yeah. I mean, I guess if you're if you're in the North Carolina area, yeah, that looks pretty sweet.
2: So that's a good one. Also, American Super Camp, you might want to look that up. That is Danny Walker's school. Danny Walker is the he's a personal coach. I think he coached Josh Hayes, Jake Kanye, those guys, and he's got a big semi truck full of TTRs and he goes around the country to like different fairgrounds um, okay. and he goes to Delaware and then he goes to Colorado I know he goes to LA and uh, I went to the Delaware School of American Super Camp and that was really I learned a lot there too that was a good program so um, okay so yep, you've got I'm,
0: so with with Wittinger, you've got the same bikes but you put street tires on them and you're out on like a go-kart track or a skid pad or something
2: um it depends at Coda we just use the big they have a huge paddock. So mm-hmm. we have a section of the paddock, you know, cleared off. And then I set up all my, my range there. Um, at MSRH, which is my local track, there's a skid pad. Each different track is different how we set it up. But there's there's always a space for me to set up and do the drills. So.
0: so how do you think that differs from, you know, some of these other schools we've been talking about for a second that do the, do the dirt? Do you get as much out of it or is it just?
2: Yeah. So actually I'm developing a dirt program now.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I just set
2: up. It helped me so much. Um, my buddy, AJ, he's a he's a pretty darn good club racer, borderline. He, he's maybe thinking about bumping up a little bit, I would think. He didn't say that out loud. But anyway, he and I, we trained together on the flat track, and we've decided uh, to – we started helping our friends. Same thing. We started helping our friends, and then it's turned into stuff other people want to do now. So I think later this season, we're going to open what we call Dirt Farm, and it's kind of like Slide 101. I just met with management of my local track two days ago on Friday. Yeah, Friday, and they're going to allocate – hopefully a little section of our local track to allow me to have a dirt track. So we can have the minis on the skid pad and then I can have a separate class over in the dirt. Cause I think they're equally, equally good for you. The, the mini stuff I think is more fundamental. That whole program I kind of designed originally for my girlfriend, Michelle, I wanted to, te- I, was, I sat down, I was like, you know, what do we really need to teach you so that you're safe on the track? And I came up with my list vision, steering. Um, we do one on focus. You know, when somebody passes you, not getting spooked. So we go out and we do drills, keeping your eyes forward and we'll buzz each other and that sort of thing. And so it's, it's a little bit of a fundamental, more of a fundamental course, but I put white plate experts through it and they dig it too. We do some braking. Trail braking is a big one. I destroyed this right shoulder in turn 11 at CODA. I, I was in a class and I learned about trail braking. I'm like, cool, I'm going to go dive in and do it. Man, I made a huge change in my braking in one session and I paid the price for it. So now I'm real big on teaching trail braking in a safe environment. Like, you know, getting used to... You know, I mean, the MSF courses, they teach you what? Driving a straight line and then let off the brakes and then go in the corner and that's like the worst thing.
0: In the basic one, so, yeah.
2: Yeah. So yeah. instead of going out and trying to trail brake at 100, you know, we teach it on the minis, you know, get used to braking towards an apex, you know, that whole feel of, you know, turning and also slowing at the same time. That's a different thing that you know a lot of riders haven't really had the chance to to feel that sensation so we try to teach it you know on the minis at 10 miles an hour instead of 100.
0: right no that makes sense i like that i like that so uh talk to talk to us about msr msr houston
2: it is my local track motorsport resort houston it's about 30 minutes south of houston we're located kind of halfway between the gulf of mexico and houston so we get to ride most of the year we did have uh-huh. like a one-week winter about three weeks ago. It got right. down to I think it got down go. to like twenty degrees for one nights. Twenty or
0: twenty-eight? Twenty. Twenty. Okay. Yeah. Is, that, it, is that winter cold or is that?
2: That was it. I mean, right now it's January <laughs> and it was uh, seventy degrees today. <laughs> so well, 20, yeah.
1: 20 degrees is definitely winter, Easton. But it needs okay. to last longer than a week. You need to you need <laughs> to really
2: get it socked in there for like sixty-five days. Guys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In Virginia, I had a boat shop. We used to have to go winter, winterize on the water. In November, it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be away from winter for sure. Yeah, winterizing
0: on, you know, I never thought about that. Like it, I knew boats had to winter, like everything's got to winterize, but I never thought about it on the water, like trying to yeah. get that un, undone on the water.
2: Yeah. A lot of my previous customers had boats and lifts and they didn't have trailers. So we would, you know, go house to house and winterize the boats in the docks. And man, in November when the wind's blowing on the water, that's cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't miss it one bit, <laughs> but anyway
0: um so i personally i've looked into msr a little bit okay they kind of seem like a little more private
2: yeah so i actually this is a question i have for you guys so i know you guys have traveled and you're knocking tracks off the list all over all over the country um msr offers membership and most of the tracks down here in texas too. you pay an an initiation and then after that a monthly fee so i can go out and ride you know unless there's like a car event you know like car races going on during the week i can ride you know, two, three, four times a week if I want, which is great. But back home, I mean, VR didn't do it. I've been to Jennings. They don't offer membership. You know, you got to go on a track day. Have you guys seen memberships available at other tracks around the country? Is that a thing or no?
1: Not not really. I mean, we've seen some. I was actually looking at some houses in the San Antonio area and looking at oh, yeah. looking at in some Texas. tracks down there. They, they all offered. I mean, I think that's a Texas thing. It I'm not okay. seeing that anywhere else. There have okay.
0: been... Some other tracks that are up and coming that I think want to offer a similar thing, but not like it seems to be in Texas, where it is just almost every track down there seems to kind of run that way. Yeah. yeah so, but-
1: it, so it seems like I think one of the tracks you're referencing, Easton, is Podium Club, right? Mm-hmm. So, Podium Club in Arizona—that's you know a huge. Eventually, will be a huge facility the plans to have condos and all that kind of stuff. So the people that live there, I'm sure will have membership to the track on the off days when there's not an event going on, like you're talking, but it hasn't happened yet. And I know that new, new track in Tennessee, they're advertising to be similar. Also,
0: there's one in Tennessee there's actually, I don't necessarily want to announce this cause I don't have any real info on it yet, but there's supposed to be a track going up right up the road for me here in South Carolina. That looks like it's going to be membership based. I would argue that I would guess not argue. Guess that Atlanta Motorsports Park is also membership based because they do have condos, or at least they're currently building yes. a bunch of condos along the back. And then there's allegedly Circuit of the Northwest <laughs> going to be built sometime in the next 150 years <laughs> that will also probably have memberships set up. So
2: cool.
0: Anyway. <laughs>
2: well, well, I was going to tell you guys, y'all were asking about tracks and where to go. And I saw uh, on your season review, um podcast you were naming off where you wanted to go and i saw coda was on the list that was kind of cool I was like all right they're gonna come to coda i like coda i love coda we coach there so if you come ride coda you'll probably come to a ride smart day so that'd be great mm-hmm. we could ride i encourage you though if you do come to texas if you can take the time ecr which is uh eagles canyon raceway mm-hmm. and i, I want to be per- politically correct when i say this: nothing against coda Coda is great and i love it it's a great experience right you guys have been there huge grandstands to ride where marquez and rossi have been is awesome but from from a motorcycle standpoint, Eagles Canyon is more fun, more technical, better surface. Believe it or not, and um, it's I our. It is man, it's phenomenal. Great elevation changes. There's this. Um, well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Turn one at Coda is uphill, straight uphill. But the ECR has this sweeping downhill thing, and we race there. Our local club racing uh, group, we race there, and then also they just put in uh, G2 Motorsports Park. That one is is mainly car guys but they've allowed ride smart to come a couple of times and that track is really fun for practicing like every every corner is a trail breaking corner i mean you know theoretically every corner on every track is but this is a really good one for you to work on your trail break and it's got some cool elevation changes too yeah if you, if you get a chance you guys are more than welcome if you want to come crash here i have racers stay here all the time we actually call this place the racers lounge you know because i got guys from dallas that come down and don't want to spend hotel rooms or whatever so come crash here if you guys want to ride msrh you know and get you in as a guest for a day or so if you want to ride you were talking about racing cole um have you done any endurance racing yet i have not i am thinking about it though
0: uh our local <laughs> club when you handle the endurance, though. So.
1: Is that your first step into the old boundaries? Yeah,
0: no, actually, I was talking about um, the,
1: <laughs> you know, these guys
0: that have been fixed. I, I, will, will they last I'm, through it? I guess now that they're on, fixed, I, I, you should be good.
2: I just had a shoulder surgery. That's what he's making fun of. So. Ah, okay. I, I knew you said you had a hurt wing. I wasn't sure he was getting that, but um, I have a... One of the things we do is I have a a little Ninja 300 and it's, it's clapped out. It's beat. It's got a million miles, but every CMRA race, we bring it and I kind of put it out there for anybody that wants to try endurance racing. So we'll always put a team together. We're not trying to win anything because it's, you know, it's a clapped out. 300 but it's so much fun and it's a great way to kind of get into our endurance racing you get the you know the team camaraderie thing going so if you ever want to just uh throw your leathers you know in a bag and ride a plane down and come race with us you're more than welcome
1: okay i appreciate that and i, I would be interested in that yeah That'd be sweet
2: and i'm not trying to exclude you easton but you, you got to get a race <laughs> license man <laughs>
1: that's
0: true that's true it's on the list don't worry it's on the list everyone
2: Uncle? all right
1: yeah it's on the list so before we, before we get away from that subject, and you don't have to say anything you don't want to, but regarding Coda, okay. one of the things, so I have not ridden Coda. I want to ride there, of course. I mean, yep. it's bucket, bucket list item for everybody, right? Uh-huh. But I can't even go around that track on a video game. True. <laughs> it seems like the most miserable track to get around in a video game
2: compared to... Yeah
1: everything else and i i just wonder if, if that's some of the feeling crosses over into real life
2: i don't ever, i don't like it because of the long back stretch i'm bored you know anybody can just pin it and do whatever and then on a track day especially when we're coaching you know you get i'm not gonna call out any particular make and model but some guys you know have bikes that go really really fast and they just want to pin it out and then you get to the corners and they park it and um you're always kind of fighting that don't get me wrong. There are parts of the track that are blast. Turn two, the downhill, downhill sweeper is awesome. The technical parts great. The carousel, you are in it forever. But I would, I would, from a motorcycle perspective, I, I think I would rather ride the other tracks for sure. So. Smaller ones? Well, not even smaller. ECR is not that much smaller. Now, now, Coda is, you know, Coda is large and it's twenty turns. If you do ride it, we did a virtual track study back in November and it's on YouTube. I posted it up and we did it. I got all my coaches. I've actually got um, five coaches on your Motorsports staff. Now we all coach and do this together. Some of us race together, but we did this. We all got on uh, Microsoft, uh, no way uh Google meet and we did a virtual track study. I got on Google earth and I had pre, you know, um, I clicked images of each turn and laid out the right line, the wrong line, you know, why you need to late apex here and that and the other. And it turned out to be like a two-hour thing. But anyway, if you do come to Coda, um, it's a really good tool. You can click on there and uh, we break down every turn and it'll help you get around that place a lot better because it is a lot of track to learn. If you just – you'll have so much more fun if you know the track before you come. I and mean, you guys know that
0: yeah. already. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's kind of half the fun for us, though, <laughs> I think, is to see – you know, how long does it take to learn a track when you first yeah. show up? Sure. Um, so that's been kind of cool. But yeah, I, I'm just, I'm actually looking at RideSmart's website right now and looking at the Coda track map. Mm-hmm. And you can see that that back straight you're talking about. And then there's another, the front straight, obviously. I mean, anyone that listens to this podcast probably knows Coda reasonably well. I think you've got Coda behind you also, right? Somewhere. Me? Cole? Or Smart?
2: Yeah, probably anyway um, yeah <laughs> no it, it's fun and you should definitely do it and if you do you know please come ride with RideSmart, and we'll we'll hang out and it'll be it'll be a good time um I'd, I'd like you guys if you get a chance to come down and try RideSmart. smart you know like I said it's a school so it's a little bit of a different environment and uh it's it's pretty neat um yeah. different than a regular track day so I'm not trying to deter you from coda definitely do it but <laughs> make time to do the other one so
1: so what is the I mean we we've talked a little bit about the weather I'm the only one dealing with snow in my yard right now out of the three of us. Yeah. But True. what's the what's the season? Is there is there a season? They does Ride Smart go year round?
2: Yeah, Ride Smart does have a season. We kick off in the middle of February and every year we close out with uh Thanksgiving weekend Dakota. Um, okay. typically Thanksgiving Dakota, sometimes weather is an issue. The rest of the season is pretty dry. Um the the summer months are pretty warm. Um we actually just bought a forty-four foot gooseneck trailer to be our mobile classroom, so the guys can come in and cool off and air conditioning, just kind of get some relief from you know the summer heat. Um, Houston down here is not quite as bad. You go up towards Dallas in that area, like we were at G two this year, and it was one hundred and eight in the paddock, and that was. <laughs> you get used to it, you know. But um, it's yeah, not yeah. The, sure. it's
1: not the one hundred eight; it's the humidity. Yeah,
2: it's, it's something like that. Yeah, <laughs> See,
0: te- Texas is weird in that way, though, because half of it. You know, the eastern half, yeah, 100%. But you get over on the western half of Texas and like, nope, it's just dry.
2: Well, the big secret is, and I'll put this out because I want more motorcycle people to come here, is everybody says, Texas is so hot. It is for like one and a half, two months. And then the rest of the year is amazing. You know, and then we get one, I guess, one week of winter. And they said last year was like the hottest summer in Texas since 2011. Of course, it's the year that I move here. You know, I got to go through it. But uh, yeah, so it's... Yeah, it's hot for a little bit, but I mean, spring. When I moved down here in April, from April until like mid June, it was between like sixty nine and seventy five every day, and it was just we were riding every day. It was just awesome. So
0: that does sound um, good, and you can get a membership to a track, so you can literally just you know you get off work an hour early, to go to the track. Absolutely. So, yep. You know, I'm yeah, with that's... we've we have had the should we be in Texas purely from a motorcycle standpoint discussion more than more than once behind the scenes on this podcast, so. Cool. Not, not new. Not a new idea to us. I guess is the best way to put that.
2: I gotcha.
1: Um, And just to be fair for us, where I'm at, I mean, it's it's not uncommon to be between 100 and 110 on a race day. Yeah.
2: But it's zero humidity. Something funny though. Texas gets super hot, um, Jennings gets really hot, and I don't know if you know, uh, Jennings shuts down during the summer. They say that track is just so hot and so greasy. I used to go to Jennings all the time when I first got started. I'd just make weekend trips to go ride down there, and, and I love Jennings, and you guys were talking about that track, and it's super fun. Um, I know most of the East Coast. Everybody goes down there to train during the winter when it gets cold. But uh, love jenny. I was actually going to go this past weekend. All my buddies were there doing actually an endurance race this weekend. And when I was going to bring my guys from Texas to go, we checked the weather and it said it's going to be 32 degrees. So we said, "Nah, we're not going to Florida." (laughs) Well, it was beautiful this weekend. So what do you, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, but we don't we don't really shut down down here. And and those two months when ride smart's done, like I said, I we I've been riding for the past two months. So uh, outside of that one week where it got stupid cold, other than that. I've been riding most, most every day. It's
0: not bad. So I'm kind of curious. Um, we've talked to one other coach on this podcast and that was a, that was a ways back last year. Do you guys like do coaches get together anywhere from different programs? I mean, obviously like you and Bride smart and you and your coaches with Biddinger Motorsports are, are going to talk to each other. Sure. Yeah. Um, but as far as like, do you ever meet up with other coaching programs? Is there like one head coach? It's like this is the stuff we need to be putting out, or is it all just kind of hey, I found this, I found this, or do you guys? I not think get
2: everybody kind of does their own thing to some degree. I know that Dave Johnson, he's one of the owners of RideSmart. He worked with uh, Nick Inosh from Champ School. I think they were buddies mm-hmm. and worked on some stuff together. Dave always kind of jokes around about sending us to go to other places to check out how other schools do, but I don't, I don't think there's really any. You know, organizations, this is the way you teach motorcycle schools. And I'm just, and I'm a newer coach, so I, I don't, maybe I'm not the right guy to ask that. You know, there is USMCA. That's a uh, a certification you can get. I'm USMCA certified and I ask all my coaches to be also, but it's just like, it's an online class where you get, you know, all of your health, uh, like first aid stuff done, and then some coaching stuff, like how to deal with tough situations. You know, if you've got a, a, a you know, a, a younger student, a parent, and they're expecting this and that sort of thing. So you, you kind of go through that stuff. But USMCA is a, a good org i think a lot of people are um you know ama members of course but i don't i don't know of any bigger group and maybe it's just because i'm new at this but um not that i know of to answer your question
0: okay so you never send anyone over to like italy or anything though either
2: no um (laughs) one of the guys that's a friend of mine and i race with he just went to um what's that uh he went to spain to a mini moto training thing over there Mm -hmm. um I forget the name. I don't want to mispronounce it, but uh, he flew all the way over and did that. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk to him, but uh, I wanted to see what that was all about. But he did. He did fly over to Italy to check out their program, and that, and they do minis. So that tells you there. You know, East Coast yeah. does some mini stuff, and in Europe, you know, the guys are on minis. Um, cross training, man. That's you know, do it on the small bikes.
0: Makes sense, and it's cheaper. It's cheaper to wreck a smaller bike.
2: Yep, and it but, hurts less, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> for most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ate the dirt on uh, some flat tracking a few weeks back <laughs> that hurt, but uh it was actually because Michelle, my girlfriend she wanted to learn so I put her in all my gear, the padded shorts and all this, and she's out riding I said, I'm just gonna go do a few braking drills real light man i I washed the front I went over the handlebars with no pads on and this hole Ooh. it was black dude it was bad <laughs> So yeah. yeah
1: but um yeah so since since you brought the flat tracking back up again yeah. what what bike are you using for that? Oh, I mean, how, do, how does somebody get into flat tracking?
2: I asked that very question when I was at uh, Sandy Hook with some people for that um, mini moto thing. And there's a couple ways. And our program is going to be one of them, you know, slide 101. But either get some friends in a, in a TTR 125 and go out and try sliding in the dirt. You can go to American Supercamp. You'll be able to go to Dirt Farm with myself and AJ. You know, you know, Aaron school is, it's not necessarily flat tracking. I think that they actually have like a upper level flat track 101 they're starting to offer now. But um, there are flat track groups popping up all over. I kind of, I got into it last year and I loved it, but I think it's, um, it's the name of the group. Extreme Flat Track, they just like joined with another group and they're bringing flat tracking out. Like it's trying to, like it's, it's growing. Uh, you guys follow JD Beach. Last mm-hmm. year he did a ton of flat track stuff, came back to Moto America, hadn't ridden you know, a sport bike race forever. And I think he podiumed like second or third, first time back and it's just because flat tracking is so good for your riding
1: i just heard you could only flat track a 750 xl harley davidson Shit,
2: i would love to i I don't think that i don't think that i have the cojones to do it just yet (laughs) that's that's badass yeah i think you got to build up to that but start on they call it um the mad dog stuff is the smaller cc stuff and that's Mm -hmm. what i'm into
0: i'm pretty sure you just jump. there's a 125 and then straight up There's no there is no in-between there.
2: Are you sandbagging college? You used to do that or something, man? No. Oh, okay. That's just the
1: image I get when I think of flat tracking. I mean, not that I haven't watched it. I've watched full seasons on TV. You know, I'm I'm interested in the sport for sure. But it's just always I don't know. It's supposed to it's supposed to be a Harley.
0: You know, it's supposed to be a Harley, a weird a uh, history fact for you and a kind of a nerd fact. I had a buddy that I don't even remember. He came over one time, saw some at saw saw I had some motorcycles and saw I had a Harley in the garage. And he was like, "You know what's funny about these?" And I was like, "What?" Never expected. It. He he owned a Honda S2000 for reference here. Like, never expected him to have any facts on a Harley, not for any particular reason, but just whatever. He was saying that the way their their V twins, specifically the angle they were set up at the way that it put out power in like a non-continuous motion was actually better traction wise for the racing that they did back in the day, which is one of the reasons they were so good. (laughs) And like, there was some science not intentional done, but they did some research afterward and found out that the way that a Harley puts out an almost inconsistent power is very, very good at traction in the dirt. Interesting. That's that's true.
1: That's, True with V V twins in general. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're right. What 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 you're saying is correct. It it's not it's not making power all the time, so it allows the tire to get get traction again. Right. Almost kind of catch up in to between it. the strokes. The, the potato is there for a reason.
0: You and the potato. Well, we're also in the midst of a non non Harley guy over here, I believe. So.
2: I actually own a Harley.
0: Oh, well, okay.
2: That's a I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I, you know i'm I'm not a big harley guy i'm not but uh my best friend from a couple of years back passed away and he was he had a harley and mm-hmm. i inherited it and actually been thinking about doing the super hooligans thing as kind of a tribute to my buddy but i just haven't had time to do it yet but i, I do own a harley and i, I think i'm going to track it out but it's it's a little bit down the road type thing right nah, now yeah back on virginia it's like I don't know if you guys know. I didn't get into this a few years back. I didn't know what a track day was until I was forty. Like, oh, so I there? can
0: so I can crack the old
2: jokes then. You can crack them. I heard you other podcast ripping <laughs> on him. I'm I was fully prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I came fully prepared for it. But I
0: try, uh, I try and kind of ease into it.
1: You know,
2: you're good. You're
1: good. You I can just, crack them. I, in, until he can beat us. He
2: can't. I was about to say yeah. Just you can crack them and then we'll go look at the lap times. Yeah, ah! yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I wasn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oof. No,
2: Oof. but yeah, no, I didn't know anything about it and in Virginia, like where I was from. There's, you know, a lot of guys on, you know, in clubs. A lot of guys riding from bar to bar and doing the cruises up through like back of the dragon and that and that sort of thing. But I never knew what a track day was um, until until my buddy actually met up with a guy to go get a GoPro to go ride tail of the dragon and video it. He's like, "Why well, don't you do a track day?" What do you mean? Don't you have a, have a license for that? I had all those same questions that everybody has, you know, I didn't think right. it was attainable and got introduced to it. And, but uh, yeah, but yes, I have a Harley I might race it one day. Yeah. So
0: I'm, I'm kind of curious now that, now that you brought this up. So you started, you know, first track day at 40 years old, because someone mentioned it and that kind of like what happens to, I think most of the people that are doing what we do. Um, before then, what, you know, what were you doing? For many
2: years, many, many years, I was an engineer. Um, I was in the corporate world for a while. Um, I was working for a tier two automotive supplier. We used to make friction disks for automatic transmissions. Got tired of that, and I'd always wrenched on stuff, so I opened a boat shop at Smith Mountain Lake in Virginia. The boat shop kind of took off, and I found out that people who had boats on the lake also had garages full of hot rods, so we ended up opening up a hot rod shop. We started doing a lot of car builds, LS swaps, and some restorations and whatnot and um, had a lot of fun. Um, it, was, it was a good time and I was making pretty good money. And then I was introduced to track. And about a year after that, I found out, you know, Texas and sold it off to move here and coach. But um, I've always, um, I've always taught. Um, when I was in engineering, I used to teach at the local community college just to go down and try to teach the young engineers what to do. I played in the band for years. I used to teach music and I just, I love coaching and teaching whatever it is. If, if, if
1: no problem.
2: Sorry. <laughs> you know, we, we
0: might just leave that in. You know, kind yeah. of breaks it up real good.
2: That's all, that, that guy wasn't bad. He was somehow respectful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, no, I just, I, that's how I got into it. And um, I've, I just always like, if something brings me joy, you know, or if I can help and share, I've, I just always like doing that type of stuff. So then started racing, and, you know, you, you go to the paddock, and here's a new guy. You always take him under your wing. Hey, here's what you do, and help him yeah. along. And then that just turned into a little more. And Anyway, I don't know. And then I'm at Ride Smart and those guys just – I can't say enough about them. They, uh, they're they awesome. They just kind of took me under their wing, and next thing you know, we got a program going, and it's just mm-hmm. – every day is – I'm serious. It's like a dream down here. I can't believe we're doing this. I like, can't believe I get paid to make people go fast on a racetrack. It's crazy. That is, a,
0: that is pretty cool. It is the dream, if you will. But uh, So how many – like, How many days a week are you spending
2: on two wheels during the summer? Five probably, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, during the summer, I'm pretty busy. We'll have ride smart weekends and I'll come back here and coach during the week. This year, probably a little bit busier because we're adding the dirt thing. Um, the stuff I haven't that I can't really say publicly yet that is gonna that's gonna turn into a full time thing pretty, pretty quick. Okay. Um, yeah, and I guess I can mention that a little bit. <laughs> uh, we've got some big announcements coming with Ridesmart that we're stupid excited about. And all I can say is, you know, there's California Superbike School It has, you know, a full fleet of BMWs and it's awesome. You can come and ride those. And everybody's on the same bike. You can fly in, ride them and fly out, you know, not worry about getting there. Mm-hmm. You can do the same with Champ School. And I work for Ridesmart. It's pretty cool. So we'll just leave it at that. But um, something else that I'm kind of excited about, we haven't this is another one we can't talk about yet, but let me ask you this. Do you guys use lap timers and run data?
0: I don't know about running data, but definitely use lap timers.
2: Okay. Cole, yeah. you race.
1: Yeah, so I think we we both use solos, lap okay. timers.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, of course, when you race, you have access to a lot more data that they're
2: doing for you as well. Oh, you talking about, like, Moto A teams or just in general, like, club racing stuff? just club racing stuff i gotcha.
1: i mean yeah when you can get on speed hive of course and break yeah. down lap by lap but not really digging into the data the
2: way you're talking i gotcha. i was introduced to it um when i first got into the cmra a couple of guys you know showed me a few things and they were kind enough to share their data with me so i could compare what i was doing what they were doing and I really found that stuff to be gold and at least in our racing organization data is pretty big then at rod smart i met a guy really amazing guy super intelligent guy named michael basani he raced with me and we got to talking and he's actually an engineer for a moto a team and he runs data for them and anyway uh, as part of my program anytime i've got novices you know we don't really talk about it but once i get to intermediate experience guys i'll say hey you throw this throw this on your bike and take it out and we'll come back and i show them hey you know this is a tool that you can use and um once you get up and upper levels i try to push that so it's a little bit of my curriculum now but I'm just going to say that over the next year or two, we're going to start to include data as part of our curriculum in a bigger way. That's as much as I can say about that. But I think it's a it's an underused tool. When I first went to Jennings and I asked my buddies, like, you know, you you guys have data for this trailer. What's that? You know, nobody was really running data at Jennings. And that might be because there's not really good GPS signal there. But um, (laughs) (laughs)
1: that would help.
2: Yeah, but it's uh, I guess the big thing about data for me is like my teammate Jose, beginning of this year, he was MSRH and he was running like a 52 and he was just pushing and he's like, I just can't get anything more out of it. And a lot of guys, you always hear, I just got to push harder. And I hate hearing that because normally that's when you end up in the weeds. So data if you look at it and say all right you're at a 52 let's look at my buddy who's running a, a 45 and let's see where the differences are and it's real easy to see like right here right here so you can make targeted decisions and say i need to focus on this part of the track and that part of the track what would we do different and in one day we found jose six seconds well wow. and that was you know like i said he was on the ragged edge i can't give it any more a 52 and then we just made a few things and like just focus on this because a lot of times you know you come off track our memory sucks. You know, how many times you looked at video and you thought you did this, but something else happened? Same yeah. thing with data. You think, man, I got to focus on, th- I just got to push harder, or go to a later break marker here. No, nah, man, that may be a half second. There's two seconds over here. You know, if you get yeah. on the gas earlier, just clean up this line a little bit, you know. So um, I think data is gold. It, it's just something I think that more people we need to, you know, it, it's a tool that everybody should use because you can avoid that just got to push harder and focus on stuff that actually make you faster in a safer way.
0: Right. You know, I never, I've, I've heard the the data thing a lot. It's, it seems to be kind of big, like people talking about all this data and maybe just because the, you know, the technology kind of advancement that we've had over the past, say decade, even, or two decades has been, has been pretty huge and you have access to more of that now. Um, But I never thought about it in that way of like comparing your data to someone else's and saying, Hey, this guy is fast. Has proven as fast. Let's look at his like you know almost graphs and you know talk about yeah hey you're actually you think you're breaking good here but you could break way more here or just like you said clean up this line a little bit. You see he gets on the gas at this point and I know there's lap timers they show all of that they show acceleration deceleration they show how much that you know, you've got it all so that does make sense that it super easy kind of break it down straight to the point if you will I guess yeah.
2: And there's some caveats. You know, you can't send a buddy out on a 400 and then try to go out on a 1000 and compare data because that's, you know, two different lines, two different animals. But if you got a guy on a similar bike who's four to five seconds faster than you average at the track, you can learn something from him. You know, that's uh, but that's, that's part of it is having data from somebody that's a little bit faster. Um, you got You definitely got to have that. And it's got to be applicable. You know, I said apples to apples type of thing. And okay. and there's just just getting a solo two. it doesn't have to be a solo two DL, just a solo two. just Velcro. He'll duct tape it to your tank and go around. You can get um, there's a lot of stuff that, that you can learn just from that. You know, a lot of guys go crazy with the data. I'm, I'm getting into a lot of that right now. You know, um, I just got a new R6, the 17 Plus. So I've got some other channels I can look at now. You know, you can add the brake pressure monitors, you can add the potentiometers to the suspension. And when you're really looking to get fast, that's when you get crazy into it. But some people see that and they're like, oh, I don't need all that, you know, and just ride the bike. But if you just get a solo two and have somebody run around a little faster, you can definitely find some easier ways of getting faster. And it's, it's not that hard to learn. Uh, Race Studio 3 is not the best software in the world, but you can figure it out pretty quick
0: it's not too bad as yeah. long as you're not trying to deep dive into it i think
2: <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly so,
0: but yeah. yeah i can i mean we've talked about that a couple times too though that the solo 2's got the little it's got the little red and green on the side i tell you what that's if nothing that, else just <laughs> to help you not be tired
1: <laughs> man if it I, I can be out there going, it's time to go back in on a track day. It's time to go back in. If I see a green bar, that's gone. Yeah, second win, third wind, whatever
0: it
2: is. <laughs> see, that's why I won't look at one when I'm on a track. I don't want to know. Like, I don't want that extra thing going on in my head. It's like, I'm on a burner. I'm not on a burner. I, I, maybe I'm well, not that's... smart enough to calculate this extra thing. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm 46 years old. I need that green bar for the extra motivation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right on. Damn, dude, 46. I thought I had you beat. I'm 43 going on 44 this month. There you go. Shit. Right on. All right. We definitely, you got to come uh, endurance with us, race with us then. We'll make some joke about the old man team or some shit. Don't <laughs> Stop. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. I'll get my
1: wing fixed. I'm definitely down. I'd, I'd be interested in that.
2: You're more than welcome, dude. So, what
0: what is an endurance race exactly? I mean, I understand you're racing for a long time, but like that, that you're talking
2: about, what does that look like? So, we do ultra lightweight endurance. Um, you know four hundreds and below in cmra it's a six typically it's a six hour race saturday we'll have sprint races in the morning and then starting at noon it'll be a six hour endurance race typically it's fielded by somewhere between four and four and five riders you go out there try to ride as long as you can um the way we do it we try to ride for an hour each and then switch off if you're like really trying to win the race you know there are competitive teams that put riders out there for longer periods of time but yeah, it's something like that. And everybody, it's it's the cheapest way to race, um, and you know, less tires. You know, the three they don't they don't burn the the tires up the bigger bikes do. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the entry fee is not bad. I think for a typical weekend, it's a thousand bucks for a team between the entry fees, a set of tires, gas, and you divide it between five people, two hundred bucks, and you get to race. And I mean for However long on track, it's it's a lot of fun and, and pretty cheap way of racing compared to compared to the sprints, anyways. I think Weira does; they do like the bigger, the like the middle weight bikes. They do endurance racing there, but as far as what we do down here, it's it's ultra lightweight endurance.
0: Okay, so is that? Do you find yourself ever having to do a tire change?
2: Or <laughs> we don't, because frankly, we don't have the pace for it. um okay. The faster teams do, and they they'll have the quick change setups, and that's that's pretty cool. See the guys pull a rear and put another one on, and like. I think I clocked one guy at 56 seconds. Wow. I have it on film where they did it at ECR last year. That was badass. Um, That's cool. Yeah, but yeah the, the top couple of teams that are fighting, you know, that you to know, do it for the championship for the year, they'll do a tire swap sometimes. I guess it depends on the track and how abrasive it is and the temp and all that stuff, but yes. Right.
0: Okay. Man, that would. can you imagine, sorry to kind of go off of nowhere here, but can you imagine if MotoGP did, like, one endurance race a year? I mean, they
2: you know, like, they tried the sprints. Maybe they'll go the other way and try that. I don't know. Not, that would be cool. <laughs> I didn't
0: I think know. about it that way, but yeah. Yeah. Huh. I
2: don't know. Uh, you know, watching those guys though, they hit like every one of them hits the same mark on the track, lap after lap. It's incredible. You know, and they do it for regular races. I, I can't imagine doing that for six hours. That's yeah. that's crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, and I you know what's kinda crazy to me is I was sitting there thinking about you're talking about data and sharing data and like obviously if I come down to MSR and <laughs> And Cole comes down, and you're there. We're all friends. We're not competing. And even yeah. if we were competing, it's club racing. So you want to just see the club rise. So you're going to share that data. But I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, do, is when do you hit the point of like, uh, no,
2: you're not looking at my data. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that exists in our club. Um, you know, for it, it does it's for not, some not of the. Too far the up. <laughs> no, no. Some of the guys that are fighting for a championship. Uh, I think they keep and. They, I think what i've been told they keep their data to themselves other guys share it um one of my best friends aj he told me it's uh you you know you show me yours i'll show you mine type of thing you know that's so most people down here and that, that's something i have noticed at least from the east coast to here don't get me wrong the, the motorcycle community everywhere you go you go to the paddock most everybody's friendly back back home i think it was a little bit more competitive in the paddock um Down here, it is definitely more, it's us against the track. AJ says that all the time. And so as far as sharing data, it's pretty, pretty wide open. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I'm going to piggyback and then I'm going to, I'm going to throw that one to to you, Eason. But we have talked about that quite a bit recently with different people is just the feeling from different tracks because everybody's so friendly, every, Mm -hmm. but it's, but it is different families. Every track you go to, that's their family. They're all friendly within each other and yeah. they're usually quite welcoming. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, there's history and they know each other and but everybody and they is They hang out outside of the track. Yeah, a lot of times you got friend groups and everything else that are not just track, but uh, you mentioned I mean I'm going to I'm going to use we use Lugnut as an example all the time, but a friend of ours Anthony Lugnut, he's a he's a racer, one of the fastest guys at every track he goes, right? he's the first guy that would tell you everything. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is what you need to do. The guy that's, the guy that's on his rear tire, he's doing everything he can to coach him how to get around him. And sometimes I'm stopping him going, dude, <laughs> I'm rooting for you. Quit giving away everything. I yeah, mean, don't give it to, me, get it to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting how people think, but I was going to see if you were going to jump in there Easton with, uh, so in your mm-hmm. travels, do you think that there's a more competitive club? Is one club more competitive than another one in the United States? Um, you're asking me. Well, I'm asking. Or I Josh. Would, I'm, I'm okay. pointing it to you to ask Josh. I oh, guess.
0: okay, okay. Well, hey, Josh. In your travels, do you
1: think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, so we've got this man. I don't. Here, I don't here's know the how question. Let me.
0: Let me. Let me phrase your question. You, What's the, the club that you race with down there in Houston, their official name, or in Texas, sorry? Uh,
2: CMRA, Central CMRA. Motorcycle Racing Association. Yeah. Central,
0: yeah. Central Motorcycle Racing Association. Okay. There is currently uh, a little bit of a not hostile situation, um, but we are <laughs> currently building a, a possible club racing rival between Wera and CVMA. Cole here has gone and raced with CVMA, Chuck Walla Valley Motorcycle Racing. No, just so Motorcycle what? Association. Sorry, what was that?
2: I said I saw that. Okay.
0: We haven't, haven't raced with Wera, but obviously every club's going to say that they're the fastest, they're the best. Um right. yep. That's how that goes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. CVMA often has a lot of Moto America people coming down. Uh, they do run a very professional program down there. Like I said, Cole's been down there, raced with them. Great feedback from them. What I think we're trying to ask you here is that would you hold your own guys? At CMRA, up against the group of guys at CVMA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
2: Okay. Absolutely. And only because I've, I'm really good friends with a couple of guys who've been around the club for a while, who have gone and raced around the country, and they they kind of told me what they thought about it, and I also know where they placed. So yeah, <laughs> I think so. So you um, got,
0: you
1: got some data to back that up, I guess. A
2: little bit. A little <laughs>
1: bit. Yeah. And that's and that's the right answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the right answer yeah. no, I now I know I've got friends in Wira I got some friends that have been racing the Pan Am series uh oh down in you know Florida side of things and there are some every every group has fast guys yeah. you know and I, I think the common denominator is you know if you're going to judge a, a a club in general maybe one's faster than the other year to year but I think that where it changes is when you go to Moto A that like we call them aliens down here we got there are some guys that just they're on a whole nother level, you know. And mm-hmm. a lot of every year you get a few club racers that want to go try Moto A, and it's just it's a big, it's a big change, it's a big difference, you know. The fastest club racer usually gets humbled out there, at least from what what you know my friends tell me and from what I've seen or whatever. But yeah. there's fast guys in every group, you know, and every group gonna say the same. No, we're the fastest. We're the fastest. I don't know, but uh, I'm a slow guy, so I'm not even in the freaking conversation. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a fun conversation, though, no? It is. It is. But, I mean, I want to go race in all these places, so I don't want to say anything here and go, you know, have a target on my back if I could approach uh, weird. <laughs>
0: hey, you know, as long as you yeah. keep saying, I'm the slow guy, I just want to check it out.
2: I'm the slow guy, <laughs> just
0: check it out, yeah. You show up and CMRA is actually way better, and then you then you might have some troubles there. But now, I, I want know. to
2: go do some weird stuff for sure, and um, the Pan America series, I've heard good things about that, like their whole registration, like the way they do that is supposedly really cool, and I think that they have some cash payouts and stuff, so we – not this year, got too much going on with Rod Smart and my own racing this year, but maybe next year I'd like to branch out and do some racing in other like I'm a little bit jealous of, of you guys going to go out and try these different tracks like next year, I'd really like to do that for sure.
0: It is fun, it is fun. I will say that um, speaking of that, I guess you know for for crazy people like us that are living far away from Texas, is there a reason that you would say Let's get in. you know some advertisement for you for yourself here but it, is there a reason I should come out? Like, let's say I'm, I'm somewhere like I'm right next to where California Superbike School does or where I can get YCRS. Is there a specific reason that I need to come try ride smart or, or are they just yes. another, another good group?
2: Absolutely. Well, let me preface that. I always tell everybody, you know, I think that you should get your riding education from everywhere. Go to every school you can learn from everybody because each person, you're in rider, what we may teach, you may, you know, something else might work better for you. So there's no one right answer, but yeah, I mean, I, I moved here for this. I moved here for really there were two reasons. RadSmart, I want to be part of it. I just thought it was the best thing—the program, the way it's set up, the way the people work—and then CMRA, like the CMRA paddock is like a family. I feel very at home with that group. It's just everybody treats you so good. Everybody wants you to see you get better. And then the you know the quality of the teaching, like like I said, RadSmart. I I don't know anybody else in the country that has a school like what RadSmart does. And I've only been around a little while. You know, I don't know what's up in the Northeast. I think there's like. Was it Dirt? Not Dirt Fish. What is that one up there? There's a something in New Hampshire. There's, a, I think, a pretty decent school. But I don't know enough about it to speak to that. But no. you, if you come to Texas, you'll love the people. Um, you'll love the weather for the most part, except for me, right in the middle of the summer. Um, you get to ride Coda, which is the, it's the only, what, FIM track in the country until Flat Rock comes along, which um, I don't want to say anything too soon, but we might be out there a little bit. I don't know if Rat's is totally going to stay in Texas forever. Um, we've had some talks about maybe expanding one day and um, Flat Rock might be something we'd be interested in one day. If it are they even going to let motorcycles in yet? I don't even know if they've made that official. I don't good know. No idea. <laughs> but I'd they love to get there at all. Yeah,
1: but So uh, so since, since I'm dumb here. When you say Flat Rock? That's the track where
2: uh, it's going to be west of Knoxville in Crossville, okay. Tennessee. So, that, yeah,
1: I didn't realize it was referred to as. So, it is supposed to be FIM certified and everything. Yeah, There's rumors yeah, about World Superbike, uh,
2: uh, uh, Mono GP.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, I know they're fighting for that one too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. World Superbike, I think to get back in the U.S., that's their number one choice at the moment. Sure. Mm-hmm. But my understanding is it's the first track. In a long, long time in the United States, that was FIM certified up front in, gotcha. the, in the plans. It's not an afterthought. Gotcha. So,
2: so I do know yeah. it is. Cool. Cool. I've seen the, the layouts. I mean, it looks awesome. Have you guys ever been through that part of the world before? You ever driven along 40 through there? Yeah. 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 i interested to see that you know it's kind of by itself there so they'd have to make sure a lot of stuff was available you know there's no hotels and whatnot if you quit. i guess the big question is i know they're talking about having racing organizations there but will they have track days i guess is a question you know right. so some of these yeah they're
0: oh, sorry I, I just did a quick google search They're yeah <laughs> you're still google searching <laughs> their, their website is not uh the best in ways of like info they're just a lot of info on their upcoming grand opening. It looks like on the May 4th, 2024. Um, but they don't even like, I can't even find an actual, you got a track info, Get a track info. And there's just kind of a picture of where they're at on a map, but they don't even have like a track map available at the moment.
2: Um, so yeah. Anyway, who knows? It opens. I'll be but, making a trip out there for sure. I, I want to check that out for, for sure. Plus, you know, my, my parents are back in Virginia four hours from there. So I make a trip back home.
0: Yeah, okay, not too bad.
2: I'd like to do uh, VR again, too. You know, VR used to be my home track and I loved it. And I haven't been back in a while now. So I'd like to go back and ride VR also. You guys said you wanted to do that. Neither of you have been to VR before?
1: Nope.
0: Not yet. It's cool.
2: It's a lot of fun. Uh, the North course is awesome. I used to ride with PRE that's a performance riding experience. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Those guys are, those guys are quick. I've always heard that that's the fastest track day org in the country, you know, not racing, but track day guys, those guys move a little bit. When you get your level three bump there, they say that's the hardest bump to get in the country. Those guys move a little bit. So just, uh but um, they do the north course is amazing. The south course has a really cool elevation drop. It's a ton of fun, but bikes typically do the north course because that's what Moto America was running. But sometimes they'll open up the grand course and hell, I don't even know. It's like four miles or something. It's just, (laughs) I don't don't know how you'd ever learn it, but um, it's a cool track. It's really beautiful too. Like the whole layout, the trees, the scenery is is really beautiful there. So
1: you said the word bump. So (laughs) one, one thing that we've, I think Easton will agree with me. But one thing that we've noticed that's different, I don't know how it is in Texas, but most of the tracks, they just on a track day, not a. I I, I get that ride smarts different because it's more training. Uh-huh. It's a school rather than just a track day. But when yeah. you go to a track day, you just out West, you just pick. I'm a, I'm an expert. Yeah. Honestly,
0: like a, a dude that doesn't know that Just went out and bought a Ducati and thinks he's fast, could sign up for expert accidentally or even a a dude that doesn't even know that he's fast and just signs up for a group thinking it's usually if you if you read into it, it'll be like, this is for people that can claim this lap time. But
2: you were looking for reasons to come ride. Um, Ride (laughs) smart. That's one of the reasons that uh, I, I loved it. Like it was really cool. Whenever I went out with coaches, they would always like pull me up just a little bit. I never felt like I was getting towed and I was unsafe. But I was constantly gaining like they always had coaches that would pull you up just the right amount and it's very structured and they put you where you need to be. There's absolutely no chance. Um, And they've got, you know, control riders on top of coaches and they see somebody out there that shouldn't be there. You'll get put where you need to be, where you're safe. It's a um, it's a great way to learn and be safe. They're really big on that.
1: Yeah. And I I think some of the tracks we went to on the East Coast, though, have since you've never rode with them, you're automatically in the C group. Mm -hmm. You have there's, there's no argument you're, you just, you have to start in the C group. yeah. So fine. I get it. I understand it, but they always tell you. So that's why I brought up the bump word. A lot of those tracks will say, we'll bump you up as we see fit. Yeah. But but then it gets busy and it gets busy and it's lunchtime and you're running 30, 40 seconds faster than the guys. in. I mean, like just ridiculous. And they've got rules like you, you can't pass in a corner only on a straight. You, you know, they've got all these rules and then you just get stuck there. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's a very specific story with that one.
0: (laughs) Uh, We were, we were doing a two day at Roebling and our first day at Roebling, we, we had to be in the, uh, in the beginner group, whatever you want to call it, relaxed beginner C group, whatever you want to call it. That's the other thing is no one can get their names the same across the board. That's right. Yeah. Whatever. We, We said C group. We're like, oh, we're in C group. And they're like, what is C group? (laughs) <laughs> uh, whatever your bottom group is. They're like, oh, well, that's novice. I'm like, okay, sorry. <laughs> C group. Anyway, but yeah, Roebling. I don't know if you've ridden Roebling at all. Um, I want to, but I have like, not. It kind of goes left, right, left, right, left, right, straight, right? Uh, that's about it. Sim- simple track. Fun. Maybe not even that many. It might just be left, but right, left, right, and then straight.
2: As but long it, as no anyway. ambulances right across. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. We buried that. That's, that's gone. Sorry, my bad. You <laughs> we were there the weekend before that happened. Were you <laughs> really? One, yeah. one week before that. Um, but all day, we're get to the straight and freaking pin that thing and hold your break in the absolute last second just so you can get around a group of 20 people. That's no fun. And then keep going. And then you get stuck by the time you're in turn three. You're stuck behind another group of six people, right? And you're waiting for someone to come up to you, which at right before the, the last session of the day, which I actually opted to just not do because I'm like, I'm not gaining anything. I'll talk to him tomorrow about a bump, I guess, hopefully. Yeah. At that session... A guy finally came up and said, Hey, do you guys want to move to intermediate? So it's like you spend, you know, six he out actually, of seven sessions. He, he
1: actually bumped me and said, Where'd your friend go? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I say he ain't riding anymore because he's sick of this. <laughs> go
2: ahead. Yeah, that's not fun. Especially when you pay as much money as you do to ride on a track. That's that's not fun. Do you guys do uh, uh, round robin? Um, follow leader, ducks on the road, first session to learning the track. Any orgs made you do that yet? I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Okay a few
1: of
2: them. all right we do that RatSmart. we do that with every group if you've never been there before um advanced group, even with advanced group uh instructors lead the first lap you you are not allowed to take off on your own until you've done a lead follow for the first lap, even in the advanced group. um I will make sure everybody knows the track and and I right. think ratsmart I'm trying to think the number I think we normally send out somewhere between ten and twelve students per instructor just for the general track day, and then through the day, like every session. You work with a coach like throughout the day. Everybody gets to work with the coach at least once. We'll put jerseys on the two people that are working with the coach. You know, out of that group of you know ten or twelve or whatever, two people are with the coach. And then after one lead follow lap, then the rest of the guys can take off, and those two stick with the coach. So it's it's very like like I said, it's a lot of instruction for sure. But um,
0: yeah, I, I can say you know speaking speaking of the the round round robin, is that what we yeah. said? Red robin, round anyway. robin, we'll call it whatever you want. <laughs> so <are> you hungry. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, um, but I can say that I I have preferred when they offer that because um, normally I think we, we, we show up, we travel around the country, and at least in the past few years when we've made some pretty big trips, you know, we're, we're showing up as B-groupers. We'll, we'll hop in a B-group. We think we're about that level. Sometimes we're good to go, but I can tell you just about the first session every day, it's kind of like, well, do you want to lead or do you want me to lead? Because neither of us want to lead because we've never seen this track before, and you're going out there, and you know you're holding people up because you're trying to learn the track. Um, yeah. So when a group or an org does offer, you know, right before every session starts, the hard part is that they always run expert first. And so C group where they are doing the lead follow, your first session has already happened if you're in B group. So if you're showing up to a track as a person that has ridden enough to know your way around a racetrack and you want to go learn it before you go out to do a lead follow technically, like they, they offer the lead follow. You would have to skip your first session.
1: You're you're confusing us because you're talking about two different things. So maybe not two different things, but what Josh is talking about is... Sighting lab? uh, Some orgs you go to and maybe this, if we're referring to it as ABC, maybe the C group has lead follow on the first session Mm -hmm. and they do it like Josh is saying. And then the B group, it does the same thing. But there has been some tracks that offer, hey, come out 10 minutes before the... Basically the first session of the day anybody who's never been here regardless of your group just come out we're gonna do a couple lead follow laps Mm -hmm.
2: you guys uh track walks the most of the orgs you guys go to allow track walks in the morning before the track goes hot
0: yeah yeah well i I don't know
1: about in the morning technically
2: they're they're usually the night before okay yeah i've walked jennings the night before um all of our, our ride smart days um, except for coda they will not let us take vehicles on the track for coda but all the other tracks um everybody hops in pickup trucks in the morning and we go out and stop at each turn and ride smart puts down the you know the x's on the track um it's more for novice intermediates but showing tip in points apexes and whatever and we'll stop at each turn and kind of if you haven't been there show your way around the track a little bit in, right. in that way and if for me and all my private coaching stuff i do that too in the mornings we got some of those little electric scooters and we'll go out and we'll run the track on the scooters and I'll stop and talk. And I try to make sure everybody stays on the line on the scooters, you know, in the morning before we go out for the first session, but, um, track walks, especially cause tracks change, you know, from, from here until the next month, maybe, you know, this part of the track got a little crappy or maybe there's a pothole here, you know, yeah. MSRH, I'll be honest with you. MSRH has some, um, character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working with the track right now to try to see if we can't get some repairs done, but our track has a, msrh has a lot of character um eagles canyon is perfect you know code is really nice but uh g2 is really nice but uh, i do have a little There are a few things you got to dodge at our track which i think makes you a better rider you know so
0: yeah yeah i mean being able
2: to kind of read every scenario but yeah you know, when you're leaned yeah. over and you start to feel some squiggling and some bumping that's that's a good thing to learn you well, know? that's where that
0: dirt training comes in too right so
2: oh uh, yeah i had a little the, I had a moment the other day and the dirt stuff saved my butt. I'm not going to lie. It did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. The R6 ain't got traction control. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to go down that. I'm not going to open up that can again.
2: <laughs> nope. Uh, leave that alone. No, I rode an 08 up until a month ago. I sold it for, for a long time. I had an 08 R6. That was my race bike. But uh, for this year, um, I bumped up to, to expert for this year and I'm totally going to get my ass handed to me. So uh, I was like, "Let me at least get a seventeen plus, so I can, you know, have a little bit of a better, you know, weapon out there." The old clapped out O eight. So,
1: well, I don't know what the prices on R sixes are in your neck of the woods, but you just sold an eight. You probably can retire, right? Is that?
2: <laughs> yeah, unless you reinvested in
0: a seventeen. <laughs> I was gonna say the seventeen could retire. O eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: was I was really lucky. My teammate from last year, he had he was selling his off, and uh, he he worked out something good with me on it, so. Hopefully, I don't I crash it because <laughs> that will suck. <laughs> yeah, hey,
0: uh, Well, I I'm running out of questions for you.
2: I, I can tell it gets a little longer pause every time we oh, stop yeah. a topic.
0: <laughs> well, sometimes I'm trying to remember, you know, through what we've been talking about. I yeah. had something, but
2: yeah, so, Well, I
1: break. would say, sorry, I, I would say, I, I I can I can shoot shit all night, but um i think that's pretty good i would i would ask you know who who all you want to shout out so Ethan can put it at the bottom of this
2: oh absolutely and And actually there's one topic i would like to talk about Um, i'm surprised you guys didn't ask last year you guys met me and why did you come up and talk to me
0: oh well you had this weird contraption at your tent (laughs) and also (laughs) it was a little bit of personal reason I I wanted to ride at Coda and I was trying to figure out who did that. And I was like, Hey, there's a track day org at a MotoGP event. I better go talk to him. And then yep. there was this weird robot thing looking <laughs> yep. at a motorcycle on a robot. I don't know something weird.
2: Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, I still remember what you guys said about it too, about how it could be helpful. And you guys were talking about, uh, being crossed up and, and you can fix it and all that. So that, that was cool when you guys did that, that podcast. Um, That was something I built at home a couple years back just for me to catch up. Like I said, I got started late, but um, I've been working on a a new version for several years now, and I'm hoping to have it ready for MotoGP. And it's it's a smart, uh, I'm not going to say it's a sim because I'm not using it as a sim, but uh, Mm -hmm. the new unit has rider inputs. You climb on it, you give it gas, you give it bar inputs, you give it shifting and all that and the machine will move the bike appropriately. Now, you can never, we talked about this before, you can never recreate all the forces. And frankly, every other trainer and every stuff out you know, I, I've tried them and there's nothing I like. Uh, frankly, there's just nothing out there that I think everything else creates bad habits. So I'm trying to create one that can be useful. And ideally in the next few months, I'm gonna have multiple of these things and they'll be at RadSmart events and all my stuff. And I'm gonna use it as um, a training piece of equipment where and I'm, I couple it with the VR goggles. I don't know if you guys have tried 360 video and watching it through a set of Oculus goggles yet. I think there's a lot of value to that. I was learning a track kind of off topic a little bit, but I was learning a track and I could not find this reference marker. It was a blind uphill and everybody kept telling me, look for the third telephone pole and that's when you can pin the gas. And when you top the hill, it'll drive you right to the edge of the track. So it was a whole timing thing. And I, I, I ran the whole day and just being leaned over. I just never saw it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I put the video on, I paused it and looked, I was like, son of a, there it is. <laughs> and it helped me. Um, so we're doing some stuff with that. But ideally, it's going to be kind of cool because the, the machine's going to move as much, like, you know, as true to physics as can be. We're going to take 360 video from the students and put them on. I'm going to lead the discussion, but it's going to be cast out. So I'll have like four guys on trainers. We'll all be watching the same video and say, we're going to learn Coda. I'll put you guys on these things. We'll watch a video and go to turn one and I'll pause it. You'll be leaned over and I'll say, look, where are you looking right now? Jimmy, where are you looking right now? And, we, oh, you need to be looking there. Okay. You know, we'll be able to take students' video, put them back on it. They can relive their laps and we can look down and say, hey, were you on the brakes yet? Nope, you weren't. Gotcha. You know, that sort of thing. So we'll use it as that sort of training tool, but then kind of as a, a separate little bonus. You, you mentioned video games and I am not... A video game guy at all um <laughs> we'll also be able to send the outputs from my machine to a laptop or to playstation and it essentially turns this thing into a gaming controller as well so hopefully moto gp if i can get my my butt working a little faster i'm gonna have one that is used for training we'll be sitting there training like last year using the goggles checking out you know uh coda Mm-hmm. And then I'll have one that's set up with, you know, the newest version of Moto GP, where you can use it as a controller and play it with the the 360 headset on. So it'll be a gaming controller, and I've been working really hard on that, and it'll be really cool to have that done. You know, whether it takes off or not, it's a project I've put a lot of heart and soul into, and I'm excited to have it. There, so,
0: yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I don't know if you can answer this, but you know, gaming controller, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, what does that cost, Josh?
2: <laughs> um I don't I don't know yet. I don't okay. want to answer that right. question. Yeah. No yeah, worries. Yeah. And honestly, my goal is I I don't I don't want any part of that realm. Honestly, I want to make this thing work and prove that it works. And I would just soon license it off and let somebody else do the gaming controller side of it. Yeah. It, and that would allow me to focus on teaching and coaching without looking at the bank very often, worried about stuff. So right. okay. <laughs> that, that's kind of my ultimate plan there. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, that's that's cool though. I, I remember seeing that thing last year, talking to you a little bit about it. Yeah, for those of you that don't maybe aren't quite fully caught up. You're essentially, you take a motorcycle and put it on a, on a stand that leans it left and right. And now uh, with what you're pairing with it, the VR goggles, the 360 cam, like you said, being able to, to ask someone like, Hey, where are you looking? And then tell them like, no, your markers down there. And they can literally just sit there and look up and you're not out on the track. You're not moving. You just have a chance to slowly find all your markers. That sounds very, very helpful
2: well being able to pause in the corner you know you can't pause right out there on the track and everybody runs gopro and you can sit here on the laptop and click and pause and try to find stuff but to put on a headset and be on a machine leaned over and to get your neck muscles right where you're looking and um, that sort of thing that's where we're going with that as a you know a a newer type of training tool
0: yeah that's cool that will (laughs) be super sweet
2: yeah, I, and I'll just tell you, a lot of guys that that hear about this stuff, oh, what do I need VR goggles for? I was, dude, I was that way. I was building my original trainer. I had, I went out and bought like three 75-inch TVs and I had the full array and I had that machine leaning and just when I looked over, what I found was no matter where I mounted the camera and, and tried to spread that image across three screens, the perspective was never right. Like, when, And the, the reason is, you know, motorcycles, you know, rider's helmet is up here. And then all of a sudden we're this far away from the camera mount. And so our perspective changes in relation to the track. Absolutely. So all these other trainers that have a, a TV, I hate the ones like where, where it leans and the guy's looking over here at the center. Like mm-hmm. that's not where you look, that's a terrible thing. So VR is really the only way that you can really create a, a sim that works. So anyway, for what it's worth, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. But one more thing, i gonna ask you guys, uh, what you think about this. You asked me about coaching earlier and we were talking about, uh, you know, the pros It's a great, you know, it's wonderful. Great. you get to coach all the time on track, Well, there's also a downside, you know, if you're working with uh, the novice and intermediate group and you're also trying to race, coaching makes you slower. Um, because you're out there going laps and everything is coming at you at just a slower pace and you get used to those reference markers coming slower. You go back out and try to go fast. It takes time and laps before your brain starts firing off and you start getting used to being going fast again. Um, mid last season, uh, I wasn't doing a lot of racing due to scheduling and I got slower because I was coaching. Mm-hmm. So that made me think and this is where I'm interested to see what you guys opinion is. I haven't done this yet, but I have a science experiment lined up. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to find one of my local guys that, uh, you know, like an expert guy. Let's say he runs a 140 at MSRH. I'm going to send him out on the track with a 360 camera. I'm going to say, go, go give me five, you know, not burner laps, but just a, a good steady 140. It's pretty pretty fast-paced. You're not pushing, but pretty good. And I want you to come in. We're going to take that video, and I'm going to throw it into uh, Premiere, and I'm going to speed it up. And I'm going to turn that 140 into a 120. Right, and then I'm going to change the audio so it doesn't sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks. I'll change right. it down. So all of a sudden, and then I'm going to put it in the headset. And before that next session, like ten minutes before, I'm going to make that that guy put the headset on, and I want him to sit there and watch his lap. You know that you know, his bike, his lines, at a minute and twenty, where everything's coming faster, right? Right. And I don't want to send him out. And my theory is is that that 140 he normally runs will seem slow to him.
0: It's an interesting thought. Right. It's an interesting thought. I don't know. My initial thought is you're, you're hundred percent correct. It will. Right. Um, having some personal, I have some personal experience of spending months at a time, only moving as fast as my feet can go. And then coming back and driving home or driving to work or whatever, hop on the freeway and 70 miles an hour, feels like 150. And it's, it's hard to go that fast again. And mm-hmm. on the opposite side of that, I've found that after going to a racetrack, time and time again, riding bikes back when there was a year where I was going, like there were like almost three weekends in one month I went. And by the end of that month, like driving to work, I would catch myself kind of speeding just a little bit more often, just simply because the more time you spend on a track with your eyes further up, you're going fast, right? Eyes are further up out. You see everything come past you faster. You're looking further. Speed doesn't feel as fast. Sure. Um, so, so
1: I think there's real merit to your experiment. I'm very interested to hear what happens. Yeah, we're gonna have to catch back up after that <laughs> because well I, I I definitely think that that can work. Um, I, I'm laughing because I was playing Ride four last night. I'm not a big gamer either, but I was I was playing ride four. Uh, sole sole reason I bought that game is because they have uh, Miller Motorsports campus or UMC on it. Oh, okay, So my home track.
2: I figured it was something that you wanted to learn, yeah, or had yeah. been around.
1: So, but I know on that game, I know what I run in real life. Mm-hmm. And I'm faster on the video game, hmm. you know, in theory. Yeah. So when I'm going around, I'm, the game is relatively realistic. I mean, it's nowhere near realistic, but you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah. so when I play it though, I'm always trying to put that time down and I, I catch my mind all the time. I play the video game maybe different than a kid would or somebody that doesn't ride motorcycles sure. because I do try to look as I'm playing the game yeah. I try to not pick up bad habits while I'm playing the game. <laughs> yeah, not like not like that bad, but you know what I mean? I kind of focus where I would be looking. Like I'm just going through my mind. I'm saying going through this corner, this is how it feels in real life. This is where I would want to hit it you know kind of ignoring the line that's on the track because that's maybe not where i hit it in reality. Sure. But i run i don't know, probably 8 seconds faster on average in in the game than i do in real life.
2: Really? Huh.
1: And so as i play that video game, i get a kind of a feel for that speed and i always okay. wonder if that does the same thing. I mean, at a lesser extent, of course, but yeah, yeah.
0: obviously the the VR would hopefully be a little bit more than that, but
2: yeah cool little hack i don't know some of those they offer where you can put on and play the game in vr i think moto gp did it last year and they got rid of it this year but there's a hack now um there's a program you can load and basically it'll go into unreal engine and it'll let you output into vr so you can pretty much play any video game that runs unreal engine in vr um which yeah but i don't know i'm like i'm not a huge gamer i was gonna say easton
1: Easton, figure that out for me you're my you're my it guy
2: yeah, big big gamer over here.
0: That's me. Yep. Here you go. Anyway, uh, but no, that's that is an interesting uh. Like I said, we'll, we'll definitely have to catch back up. Run run that experience experiment I'm, I'm, and let me know. I've been
2: wanting to do it all winter, and I need to make time to do it. But uh, I kind of think about like baseball. You know, the guy in the on deck circle has like five bats in his hands. You know, and when he gets to the plate, he drops four, and this way is really light. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the same thing. You know, fast, fast, fast. Okay, this isn't so fast anymore don't know. It might work. It might not, but I, I want to try it, you know? Yeah. I think
0: my only, uh, my only negative towards it, the only reason I would say I want to do anything is like, if you just go watch five laps real quick, then you're right back out there on the bike doing what you were doing. I don't know if that'll be enough to trick your brain.
2: Yeah. And, and you can't recreate the, uh, you know, the sensory things, you know, the feel yeah. and what's going on. So I don't know. I, would say I, though, try I don't have
1: the guy strap him to a chair and you know, <laughs> Well, plug his eyes open, force him to watch it for. So my thought was like, straight. what?
0: If, what if you took him, you know, said, "Hey, this is this week. I want you to take this home, watch this every night before bed. You know, run it, run it twice, right, right before bed or or at night. Instead of watching TV for this week, run it right before bed and come back next week. Yeah. Right? So then it's every day. That's all he's seeing. That's what his brain's seeing. It's like he's been at the track, not not in every aspect, but a little bit, and he has that repeat. And now
2: anyway I think if you if my guy would have to be in it like you can't just sit there and watch the video yeah I'm going around faster I think you would have to be looking for your reference markers you know and timing and actually trying to do the lap you know even though you're not doing the lap on a bike you would need to be in it so to speak does that that make sense
0: yeah I agree with that so yeah yeah well right on guys is there we've I feel like we've kind of been mentioning things throughout. Um, definitely some stuff I'll have, uh, have linked down in the description, but is there anything oh, yeah. specific you wanted to add or reiterate?
2: Uh, no, uh, just, there's a lot of guys who have helped my program along and just have become great friends down here. And, um, if I have a chance to shout out their businesses, I'm going to, um, my buddy, Chris Hamlet with, um, South central race center. He's our regional Pirelli dealer. He's a really intelligent guy. He's run some motorway stuff, super fast. And, um, uh he's he's a great friend and he's uh if you're in texas and you're running pirelli or you're running anything i highly recommend getting with chris even if you're a a new guy and you don't know what tire to use talk with chris he'll set you up with track day tires or whatever you need and he's very very intelligent it's not just sc1 two or three you know soft medium we will talk about temperature weight all those things he's really smart guy. so chris hamlet with uh, south central race center john hutchinson with p1 racing he is my suspension guy he's in uh, the northern part of houston the tomball area Uh, If you're getting a bike built or suspension set up, I recommend John. We are both have an engineering background, so have a good relationship with him. We can talk and understand things, and he's helped me to understand my motorcycle. And Ride Smart Motorcycle School, you know, Dave Johnson and Kwan Lu, they're uh, amazing owners. They're great people. They care about every student, and um, it's a very family-oriented thing. So those guys are great. All of the instructors at Ride Smart are amazing folks. And I guess most importantly, my guys that, that coach with me at Bittenger Motorsports, I, I'm very funny about who I want on my team. And I could not be more thankful for, for the guys that I have. They're, they're awesome. They're amazing guys. They care about each student. And I'm just very funny about making sure that, you know, there's a lot of guys that just go fast and say, hey, follow me. That's not a coach. You know, these guys are guys that can follow you and pick out and point out, you know, you need to work on this or this. And hey, let's go do this. And they're all positive, And I'm very, very, very proud of the guys that I have on my staff. They're they're awesome people and awesome coaches. So there you go.
0: Good deal. Heck yeah. Well, hey, like like Josh just said, if you're in the Texas area or as we kind of talked about, if you're anywhere in the U.S. you haven't checked out Riot Smart, I think uh, the biggest, biggest reason I would give you guys is that if I'm up in Washington or in Utah and it's negative 20 degrees and I want schooling, <laughs> I can head to Texas and do it, right? So, yeah, looking forward to – to hearing more from ride smart here in the future and hearing more from you and we appreciate you getting on here and thanks everyone else for for listening all
2: yep. right thanks on, guys thanks on. for having me man you, this is a lot of fun you guys are all right, man i want to ride with you and let's hang out and let's have some good times yeah, yeah.
0: let's do absolutely. it
2: absolutely